John chapter 16, starting with verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine, therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. So how many of you remember the old E.F. Hutton commercial? When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. How many of you remember that? You know, and the whole gist of that is that this guy is well-respected, obviously, and what he has to say is of great importance. And so the whole intent behind the commercial was to draw your attention to what E.F. Hutton has to say. Now, we know that to be true in our own lives. There are those people that we look at, we look up to, uh, that we feel have a lot of wisdom, a lot of uh, in-depth knowledge that they want to share in whatever field or whatever area it's in. And so when we hear them speaking, sometimes our ears perk up and we want to hear what they have to say because typically we know that what they have to say uh, is going to be of value. Uh, typically, when Warren Buffett has anything to say, uh, the financial world listens, don't they? Their, their ears perk up. Uh, if Tim Tebow has anything to say, our ears perk up just because we like to hear from Tim Tebow, don't we? We, we want to hear him just uh, praise the Lord in everything that he does. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. If any of you watch Jimmy Fallon on late night TV, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, that's like two hours. It comes on like two hours after I go to bed. But uh, he's funny. So a lot of times even in the uh, comedians, in the comic world, our ears per you know, perk up because we want to hear what they have to say. Hopefully for all of us in this place this morning and throughout our lives, when the Lord speaks, we're listening. We're listening. I've entitled the teaching this morning, Are We Listening? Are we listening? Do, do we hear? We just sang at Christmas time, do you hear what I hear? I don't know. It's relative, right? I don't know what you hear, you know? And there's certain people here this morning that are of my age or older don't hear that well at all, probably. So hearing, you know, it's a whole different thing. But are we listening? Are we committing ourselves to listen to what God has to say? And specifically, because we're going through this portion of Scripture, what the Lord has to say through His Holy Spirit to us. Are our ears attentive? Are we open to hear what He has to say? Last week we started off with a lot of attention on the phrase, these things, because Jesus had finished up talking about that, talking about these things that He wanted His disciples to know and to under, understand. And We've gone over that pretty thoroughly because they've been in the upper room. Now they're moving towards and maybe even in the garden at this point. And Jesus has had many things that he wanted to share with the disciples, begin because of what is going to be taking place in the next couple of days. The world's going to be rocked. We've talked about that. He's preparing them as best he can, but he knows that they're going to scatter, aren't they? They're going to really be confused. And so he's trying to comfort them, encourage them, build them up, further equip them for what it is that's going to be taking place in the next 24 hours especially. 
So he says, these things I have spoken to you, these things I have told you. And as we looked at what these things were, and he spoke and told his disciples, now he says this in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, we've been in those situations before as well, haven't we? Where someone has filled us up with such knowledge, we just don't have the capacity to take in anymore. I have certain teachers that I like to listen to. Uh, Joel Rosenberg is a guy that I love to hear speak. But man, alive, you know, after about a half an hour, I'm just overloaded. My, my brain has taken in, it seems like, all it can take in. Uh, there's other Calvary pastors that are that way. They teach such in-depth things that, man, it just I feel overloaded almost when I, I take in what they have to teach. And Jesus is saying to these guys, i still got a lot of things to say to you. And you can almost see or picture the disciples going, oh boy, or oy vey, I guess is what <laughs> maybe what they would say. I don't know. <laughs> because they are filled up at this point, right? Their, their hearts, as we're going to see next week, uh, are sorrowful because of the things that he shared with them, the things that are happening not so much because they understand what's going to happen, but because they do know this, he is going to leave. He's made that very clear, right? They don't want him to go anywhere. So they're sorrowful. He's taught them a lot of things. They're filled up. And he says, got many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And I'm sure there was relief on their part, wasn't it? That's good because, boy, Jesus, we're just full right now. The inference here is clear, though. He still has many things to say to them. And he will say them, he will communicate those things, just not right now. They're not ready to hear it anyway. Jesus, though, always, always taught the right thing at the right time, didn't he? His timing was perfect. Uh, you know, we joke about how certain comedians or actors, timing is everything, right? And how they say what they say at the right time to get the most production out of what it is that they're saying, whether it be through comedy or whatever it is. But we see as we go through, uh, especially the Gospels, but certainly all of God's Word, that the right thing is always said at the right time. We've experienced that in our own lives as well, haven't we? Where we're going through a certain situation and God's Word has a verse for us and it's just the right time for that verse to help us for whatever we're going through. So we can rest in the fact that Jesus is always, always, 100% of the time, going to say the right thing at the right time. And through His Holy Spirit now, He still does, doesn't He? When we need to hear just that thing from the Lord, He gives that to us. Hold your place in John and turn over to Acts chapter 1. I'm praying about... Um, many things, obviously, but also what I would go into next as we teach verse by verse through God's Word. And I know you're probably not going to get too excited about this because you realize it, it could still be two years down the road the way you're going, right? But I'm thinking that I'll roll right into the book of Acts after we finish John. I love the book of Acts and everything that's going on there. Uh, so uh, be praying for me, if you will, in that regard uh, too. But uh, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, 
after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So several things to take note of here in these three verses, but especially in verse 3. He presented himself alive to them. He's saying that that's going to take place, right? He's saying that he's going to be crucified. He's going to, be, he's going to see them shortly again. And so he presents himself alive to them. He's seen by them for uh, 40 days. But the important thing here is he spoke to them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he still had many things still to teach them, didn't he? And here's where some of that is taking place. And he's going to continue that through his Holy Spirit. But we have the fulfillment of verse 12 right here in our text that we just looked at in Acts in verse 3. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's got other things that he's teaching them, right? He didn't teach them everything while he was here on earth. There were still many more things to teach him. He taught them what was necessary, what they were going to need. And then through his Holy Spirit, he's going to continue to teach them as time goes on. So he's teaching them more things. Jump down to verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth. So they're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit when He comes upon them. For what purpose? Just what the verse says, right? To be His witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So basically, everywhere. It goes right along with uh, the Great Commission, doesn't it? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Falls right in line with what uh, this verse has to say. But it didn't stop there. Aside from the 40 days, Jesus will be with them before He's taken up into heaven. In this verse, Jesus promises again the coming of the Holy Spirit to give them power to be witnesses, to speak the, these things that Jesus spoke to them, and also many more things that Jesus will speak to them through the power of His Holy Spirit. So for them and for us, it's a continual teaching, isn't it? Has anybody here this morning got to the place where you're like, yeah, I don't need to be taught anymore. I got it. I got this down. I would really like to talk to you after the service because your knowledge just must be huge. And I'm quite sure if I speak to you and you do know everything, my mind's going to be filled up just like I explained. <laughs> no, we don't know everything, do we? We just don't know everything. So it's a continual teaching, and for us, it's also a continual, ongoing sanctification in our lives through that teaching, right? Not only things that we need to know and to learn, but how it applies to us and what needs to change in our lives to go along with that. So from the time that we accepted Christ to this day and the days to come, He continues to teach us what's covered under these things, things we need to know, things that are beneficial for the purpose of being His witnesses. Verse 13 in our text, back in John chapter 16. However, when He, the Spirit of truth... Now we're going to park on this for a while this morning because of all the things that we've looked at so far regarding the Holy Spirit, 
he gives us several distinct things about the Holy Spirit in these, uh, just in these couple of verses. So we're going to look at those this morning. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Now, there's a lot of things being said about the Holy Spirit in those two verses, isn't there? But there's also things being said how it's going to relate to us as well. So there is the He in this text. You can see it. You might want to highlight it. Every place that it says He. And then there's also the You in the text, which is us. We are the You's. <laughs> that sounds kind of strange. Well, we are sheep, though, right? So use works. So there... <laughs> So, <laughs> there is the he in this text, and there is the you. It says, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. He will speak what he hears. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will declare to you what is mine. He, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth, is God's instrument. We are the recipients of that. This sounds like ongoing fulfillment of verse 12, doesn't it? Many things to say to you, many things to teach you. It's going to happen through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit carries out His role. And that He never, ever stops teaching us, does He? Even when we stop listening, He still has things that He wants to teach us. Because there's always things for us to learn. Always things for us to be taught. You ever had those times when you felt like you had something really just nailed down, figured out when it comes to the Holy Spirit or, or God or the Word or whatever it might be. You just think, man, I, I grasped that. I've got it. And then what happens? You're taught something a little deeper, right? Because God's Word just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. It's, you know, it's 3D almost. And that, it lays here before us in the 2D world. But it's got depth that goes beyond even what we just see and read as God continues to teach us the truth that He has for us there, right? It's got such depth. So whatever it is that we think we have grasped, He's got so much more depth for us in that. So we're always learning. The things we need to know, the things that are truth, the Holy Spirit is to teach us these things. Are we listening? However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it, to you. So let's focus on where Jesus says he here in this text. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He doesn't. He only speaks what he hears and he glorifies Jesus. So the first one, he doesn't speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity is equal with, equal to the Father and the Son. But he will never act on his own. He will always act in unity with and according to the other two. We all grasp that, right? 
three parts, all equal. The Trinity itself, as we talked about it, is a, it's a hard thing to grasp. You just take it by faith, the, the, by faith, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all equal parts working together to form the Godhead. And so the Spirit, even though it's a He, He is the third person of the Trinity, He doesn't do anything on His own. Meaning that He doesn't do anything without it being completely in agreement with what the Father and Son would have Him to do. They're in complete unity. Complete. If I took three of us in here this morning and we went out into the coffee shop area to do, I don't know, anything, something, we might not all three agree on how it should be done, right? We might all three have a different opinion on how it should be done. You will never see that with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They will always be 100% in agreement with everything that's done. Now you think about that and how it applies to our lives, that's pretty exciting. You know, because not only are we hearing from the One, but when we hear from the Holy Spirit, we're hearing from the Father Himself. We're hearing from the Son Himself. We are hearing from the Godhead. <laughs> Boy, you put it in those terms and it seems kind of big, doesn't it? Especially when he says something like, don't do that. <laughs> You're hearing from God himself when he says, don't do that or do do this. It's coming from the unity. It's coming from God himself in that. So he doesn't speak on his own authority. He will never act on his own. We saw in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now we've looked at that verse several times just over the past few weeks, focusing upon what? He will bring to remembrance all the things that He said, right? That's encouragement to us as it was encouragement to the disciples because we tend to forget things, don't we? How many of you have ever memorized a whole book of the Bible? Okay. How many of you ever memorized a whole chapter of the Bible? How many of you got at least one verse down? <laughs> I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's good application for us to do. I encourage you to try to memorize a chapter. You know, I, I think it's a great thing to do. But we also know that we have a tendency for forget, too. But that word is ingrained on our heart, and He will bring to remembrance those things that He said to us. We've talked at length about the Holy Spirit as our helper. But this verse that we just looked at also answers the question of how He comes and what He does. 14.26 says, The Father sends the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is being sent by the Father in the name of Jesus to us. That's cool, isn't it? It's like, wow. In the name of Jesus, the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. They're it's a conspiracy theory. They're all working together, right? The Holy Spirit teaches the things that Jesus taught. It says that in that verse. So the Spirit doesn't act on His own or in a vacuum. He is in submission to the Father and the Son. It's His nature to be under their authority. He does not speak or say what He wants. He will always represent and act on behalf of Jesus Christ. Now, we can rest in that. We can also learn from that, can't we? That if we feel we're hearing from the Holy Spirit and it goes contrary 
to God's Word, that's not the Holy Spirit, is it? It's something else. It's some other spirit. And it could even be just us, right? You know how our minds, again, uh, for the most part, we like to be more intelligent than we really are. Wouldn't we all agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I consider myself intelligent to some level. Don't we all? You know, but compared to Einstein, well, if Einstein wasn't saved, he wasn't all that intelligent to start with, the way I see it, right? <laughs> I mean, how can you be that smart and not <laughs> agree with this, you know? So the Holy Spirit, what he speaks will always be in complete agreement with what Jesus has to say. Because why? The second point there, he only speaks what he hears. He only speaks what he hears. We've seen in past chapters that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit, yes, as a helper, but also what? The Spirit of truth. He is always truth because Jesus is truth. And he always communicates the truth of Jesus, always. So Jesus was and always true, so everything that he spoke was truth. And since the Spirit always communicates the things that Jesus said, then the Spirit himself only speaks the truth of what he hears. He always speaks the truth. We can rest in that. We can have confidence in that. That he will always speak the truth of God to us. Even as painful as it might be sometimes, right? Sometimes the Lord says things to us we didn't necessarily want to hear. He brings to light certain things in our lives that we'd just soon tuck away, keep away in the darkness, right? But he reveals those things. His truth says, hey, this is an area of your life that needs to change. This is an area of your life that needs some work. And so the truth that's coming across through his Holy Spirit, the helper, is that I'm telling you the truth, but I'm also here to help you to do it, right? It's part of the role of the, the helper. So he doesn't speak on his own authority. He only speaks what he hears. And then it also says he glorifies Jesus. Everything that the Spirit does and says points to Jesus. He points to who Jesus is. He points to what Jesus has done. He points to what he continues to do for us. If you or I say or do something that we say, oh, I heard this directly from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> or I was directed by the Holy Spirit to do that, this or that. But if those things that you're communicating that you heard from the Holy Spirit don't line up with the Word of God, you didn't hear from the Spirit at all. And that's certainly not glorifying to Jesus, is it? If we're saying we heard from the Holy Spirit in this or that, and it doesn't line up with God's Word, it isn't truth, so then we're wrong. We're wrong in saying that or doing that. We're acting out of the flesh rather than in the Spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit directing us. So the Spirit is in complete harmony with the will of Jesus. No matter what the situation, you will find the Spirit pointing to Jesus. Now, in case you guys haven't noticed, it's, uh, it's football season. I don't know whether you noticed that or not. You know, there's some things. It reminds me of the, you know how we can be oblivious? 
Uh, one day, several years ago, I'm in the grocery store and I'm like three people back and there's this article, uh, you know, on the National Enquirer, whatever the article is, and it says something about Michael Jackson. And I hear the husband say to the wife, oh, what's going on with Michael Jackson? And she said, well, he died. And the husband said, when? <laughs> now talk about being oblivious. He evidently was nowhere near the news anywhere because it was something that was known, correct? It was known. So we're in the middle of, well, actually towards the end of the football season. And it's a fairly common occurrence in sports, especially in football, to see some athletes when they run across the goal line with the ball to do what? That's not unusual to see that, is it? Pointing to the Lord. Pointing up signifying to God be the glory. My, my guess. There's, there's really nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing, right? But isn't it interesting that you only see it happen when they're successful? You know, a touchdown, a big play. Yeah. What about when they fail? When they mess up? Shouldn't God still get the glory? And you're thinking, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Jim? Give God the glory in a fumble or an interception or a missed tackle? Yeah. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. It's a good lesson for us, isn't it? That no matter what we're going through, God's in control, right? God, I'm going to trust in God. We seldom do that. Now watch. Some pro athlete get wind of this this morning, and he'll try to pull it off this afternoon in one of the games, you know, fumble. I doubt it. I doubt that that's going to happen. But whenever we fumble in life, when we mess up, whenever we miss a tackle, miss an opportunity, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. So we can point others to Jesus in whatever the circumstance. Amen? So we can always rely upon, trust in, have confidence in the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's look at it like this. As sinners... We really only mess up in two ways. I'll make it very simple. There's only two ways that we mess up. And these are commonly referred to as sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission are doing things we shouldn't have. Sins of omission are not doing things we should have. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? That we do things that we shouldn't and we don't do things that we should. That's the only two ways we mess up. And boy, we're really good at it, aren't we? We, do, we excel very well in both categories, I think. Paul goes into great detail about this struggle in Romans chapter 7. Read that, study that if you haven't yet. Great, great chapter in the Bible. Uh, that would be a great chapter to memorize, I think. <laughs> so doing the things that we shouldn't have, sins of commission, and not doing the things we should have, sins of omission. Why is the distinction important for us? Why bring this up at this point in our text? Because the Holy Spirit, given to us, works in both these situations. He has things that He doesn't want us to do, and He has things that He does want us to do. These things are what Jesus does and doesn't want us to do. And as sinners, we're going to fail in both of those regularly. But not because there was a lack of fair warning, right? 
Are we listening? That is where the text does come in this morning. That's what I believe he has for us this morning. Clarification for us as the Holy Spirit directs us. So sins of commission. Doing things we shouldn't have. Seems like it's something that really wouldn't even have to be explained, right? Because as I say, have you ever done anything you shouldn't have in the eyes of the Lord? All sorts of things come into your mind. I wish I could see into your minds. <laughs> that would be fun, you know, to be able to go, stop it! <laughs> you know, just stop it, quit it. The things that are rambling around up there in the past that we have done, maybe even presently that we're involved in, or something we're even thinking about getting involved in in the future. Sins of commission. It's like the simple instruction to a child where the parent says what? Don't touch that. It's hot. And if you were like me as a child, what did you do? You know? We touch it. And we get burned. And it's a lesson learned. The things that are hot are typically hot. And they cause pain. So we learn that lesson, hopefully anyway. The Holy Spirit tells us, directs us, don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Why? Because he knows we're going to get burned, doesn't he? It's his direction for our protection. The Holy Spirit's direction for our protection. Are we listening? The Holy Spirit will never, ever, under any circumstance, in any situation, will never lead us into sin. Never going to happen. Now we know that God does test us, doesn't he? But God never tempts us. God will bring a test our way at times to see how we will respond. Will we rely upon and trust in the Holy Spirit or will we rely upon, trust in our own flesh in those tests? God wants to grow us, so He tests us. But God will never, ever tempt us to sin. That's Totally the job, totally the resume of our enemy, right? He's the one that tempts us. Tests are from God and they are to grow us. They are intended to draw us closer to God. Because as He tests us and as we're obedient in the test, He's glorified and it draws us that much closer to God, doesn't it? Think of your life as, I accepted the Lord... And I really never am stepping backwards. We, we look at it as, oh yes, there is backsliding. It's a term we're all familiar with. But in the backsliding, does that mean God has stopped His work? No, He's going to teach us something in that, so we actually we end up moving forward through that very thing, right? We don't move back to that place we, are, we were because we just learned something, so we inched a little bit farther on. They are a part of God's ongoing sanctifying work in us. He does those things. But, that's God te God's tests. But temptation, we know, comes from the enemy. To draw us into sin, to draw us away from God, deceiving us into thinking that we can handle it. Yeah, you'll be okay, just, just try it. 
And the temptation always comes in the form of something attractive, something that catches our eye. It's worldly and it's enticing to our flesh, right? If it wasn't desirable, we wouldn't want it, right? You can throw as much tofu in front of me as you want to, and I'm not going to commit the sin of gluttony over that tofu. It's just not going to happen. There's many things like that for me, but there's some things that just aren't attractive, so it's not a problem, right? The enemy doesn't work that way, does he? He's going to throw in front of us the very thing that catches our eye. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So do you see the progression in that verse? The flesh, as it is susceptible to the desires of a certain thing, the enemy then delivers that very thing into the view of our eyes, puts it before us, and we, in our fleshly pride, entertain that thing thinking that we can handle it. And we can't. We can't. We never can. Because it is sin, and sin's going to tear us down, not build us up, right? We can't handle it. So we don't have to give in to the flesh. We don't have to give in to the temptation because we have the helper, the spirit of truth, to help us to overcome, to help us to turn away, even run away if necessary. Still small voice of the Holy Spirit, what? Going, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't look at that. I like to think of it as, it's there, it caught my eye, and I need to turn 180 degrees and move away from it, don't I? And that direction, that 180 degrees that I turn, if I'm turning away from sin, I'm turning to the Lord, right? They're opposites, total opposites. So the Holy Spirit's going, you know, he's almost grabbing your head going, and we're going, no, 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 you know what I mean? We're trying to turn, the sin is still very enticing, our flesh wants, I don't know, one more look, you know? No. No. Now sometimes, I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit, I know He's a gentleman. We see that used. We see that there's the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But I think there are times for me, anyway, that it comes out very, very clearly. Stop it! You know, don't do that. You hear it reverberating in your brain. Are you listening? Are we listening? If we were listening, we would know that the Spirit had been warning us to stay away from that. He's our protector. He will not lead us into harm. He will not lead us into sin. Never, ever, 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 ever. He's pleading with us to not go there so that we will not sin. To keep us from doing what we should not do. Sins of commission. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to not sin. So if sins of commission are doing the things that we shouldn't, the second one then is sins of omission, is not doing the things that we should. Now we are just as bad at that, if not even worse at times. Not doing the things we should, not keeping God's commands. Now we immediately think of what? The Ten Commandments, right? But it goes way beyond that because if we go, as, even as we've gone through the book of John, all the things that Jesus has commanded his disciples to do, 
applies to us as well. So there's a lot of things that we're supposed to be doing. But number one, you can put all of those under one category, obedience, right? If he has said do it, we are supposed to just do it. Be obedient to that. The flip side of that is this word called disobedience. Now, in the Ten Commandments, we know that they are Ten Commandments and not Ten Suggestions, right? They're not just a, just a guideline like Captain Jack Sparrow would say. It's just a guideline. No, it's commandments, <laughs> all right? Things that we are supposed to do, things that He intends for us to do, things that He has equipped us to do by the power of His Holy Spirit if we're listening. Remember, God's commandments are God's enablements. We've talked about this before. God's commandments are God's enablements. When God commands us to do something, He also enables us to accomplish it. How? With the Helper, the power of the Holy Spirit that He has given us. The Spirit saying, no, don't go there. We don't go there. We're being obedient. We can't really take a whole lot of the credit for ourselves, can we? We can't go, yeah, boy, I was strong in that situation. It didn't overtake me. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the strength. He's the one that enables us to, to actually be able to do that very thing. He enables us to accomplish it. No, God does not set us up to fail. Ever. Ever. God never sets us up to fail. He does test us but He also enables us to get through that test, to pass that test, if we will turn and rely upon His Holy Spirit. He empowers us to accomplish it. He says, here's what I've commanded you to do, and here's my Holy Spirit to help you accomplish it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So we show our love for God by being obedient. God is glorified in that. We prove our love for Him by acting obedience, don't we? And it says, and His commandments are not burdensome. Our obedience to Him is evidence of our love for Him. This verse says that His commandments are not burdensome, some translations even say grievous. And you think, well, how, how can they not be burdensome? Because this is hard. This is hard to keep His commandments. Because the majority of the time we try to do it in our own strength, don't we? We try to do it on our own rather than relying on the strength of the Helper, His Holy Spirit, in our lives. Relying upon the power given to us in His Holy Spirit's. His commands are not a burden, but a joy in that, aren't they? When we're obedient. That's, that's just joyful. You guys know how you feel when you're faced with something and you know that you were obedient in that? Well, even if it took several days, weeks to accomplish. <laughs> and inevitably we were obedient in it, and man, it just does something for us. We feel good about the fact that we 
pleased God, that we glorified God in that thing. He wants to do that in us all the time. He wants us to arrive at that place a lot quicker. And there's a direct correlation between how quick we get there and how well we're listening. In our flesh, we can't keep His commands, but in the power of His Spirit, we can. You may have heard it said that we are to just be obedient to the last thing that God told us to do. Now, that's another one of those things that I say, and all of a sudden I know your minds are whizzing, whirring, going, oh, what was the last thing that He told me to do to be obedient in? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Him. I'm sure He'll be more than willing to tell you. <laughs> His Holy Spirit will speak to you and let you know that thing that you need to be obedient in. And whatever it is, you can only accomplish it by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So how does the Holy Spirit accomplish this in us? Let's look at our verses again and focus on where Jesus says, You. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So from verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit benefits us, works in us by guiding, He will guide, telling, He will tell, and declaring, He will declare to us. In these verses, we see the Holy Spirit in place to guide, to tell, and declare. Number one, He will guide you into all truth. Nothing that He guides you or I to will be false. It will always be 100% truth. Now, He may not give us all the information, but we can trust that whatever information that He does give us, that will be truth. We may not have the whole big picture, right? We may only have a portion of it, but that which He shares with us, we can have confidence in that it is truth, 100%. If the Holy Spirit is guiding, is leading then it's our responsibility to be what? To do what? Follow. He's guiding. We're following. No other way around. Imagine yourself, how many of you have hiked one of the 14ers? That's great. It's something that I would like to do. Um, not bad enough to actually do it, but, you know, <laughs> something I would like to do. <laughs> to be able to say, I've done a 14er, you know. Maybe someday when my lungs grow back. <laughs> but uh, if you were going up a very narrow, just like goat-like trail up the side of a mountain, and you know one wrong move, you're going to go tumbling off, and you have a tour guide, uh, this guy that's guiding you up the mountain, telling you where to walk and where to go, you would be listening very intently to what he has to say, wouldn't you? Because the alternative is uh, free-falling, right? for who knows how far, and that, that's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. So following the one who is leading is a very important element. Uh, how many of you have GPSs in your cars? Well, they're a good thing. I don't need one. I have Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and I have found time and time again that when I listen to Chris, we get there. 
Now, I want to qualify that by saying, we get there too when I am leading, maybe just not as quick. <laughs> you know, I take the scenic route at times. Well, I've never been in this part of town, so let's check it out. But following the one that's leading, especially when the one that's leading knows where they're going, is a very valuable, positive thing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is guiding. He's leading. We're just, to, we're just supposed to follow. Follow His lead. And if He is guiding, His guiding will always lead to truth. If we're guiding, well, maybe not always the case. But when he's guiding, it's always 100% truth. Since he doesn't speak on his own authority, but he only speaks what he hears from Jesus, and since Jesus only speaks truth because he is truth, then the Spirit will always guide us into truth. Say that back with me. Since he, I'm just kidding. Since he doesn't speak on his own authority, but he only speaks what he hears from Jesus, and Jesus only speaks the truth because he is the truth, then the Spirit will always, always guide us to truth. So he will guide you into all truth. We've established that. The second one, he will tell you things to come. This comes in the form of revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, Yes, the deep things of God. We've probably all experienced that, where the Holy Spirit has revealed to us a truth about something that we haven't seen before. And we're just, we're excited. We're like, wow, that, that is so cool. Especially when it's things that are going to happen. And a lot of times this happens in our own life. He's going to tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit says what? Don't do that. You're going to get burned. <laughs> and we go ahead and do it, and we get burned. Oh, surprise, huh? We were warned. He was guiding. We were not following. We were not listening. But he tells us things to come. He has that insight, doesn't he? Being part of the Godhead, he knows what God knows, because God is telling him what he knows. And he's imparting that to us. And if he's saying, don't do this, don't go there, we can be assured that's something that we don't want to mess with because he knows of the things to come. God reveals things to us in life and in his word. Now, while that's a blessing, we have to know it's coming from God, don't we? How do we do that? Does it line up with his word? He will never do anything, say anything, direct us in any direction that goes contrary to his word. There's a danger always of the thing that is being revealed is not from God. As we set under the teaching of other people, and I don't say this to scare you, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I am giving you God's word, the truth here. There is a good chance that over a period of several years, I, I might mess up. I might give you some wisdom that's not exactly what it is that God wants to give you. It may be an error. I encourage you, I challenge you to call me on that. But I am going to ask you to show me in God's word where I'm wrong. And if you show me from here, I will accept that. I, I will accept that because I want to be in a place 
where I am correctly handling the word of truth. So if it's coming from the Spirit, it's coming from God, and we saw in our last point, then it is truth and we can trust in it. We can rely on it. We might not fully understand it, but we can trust that this thing that he's saying is going to happen will take place. But look also at what this doesn't say. It doesn't say that he will tell you all things to come, does it? He will tell you things to come. Why is that? I think once again, he knows what capacity we have. Have you ever been in a church where they were praying, Lord, just make us the believers that you want us to be. Now, what if God did that right at that moment? It would freak us out, wouldn't it? Would it not? We would be totally freaked out because what God has for us is just way beyond, immeasurably more than we can ask or think. So that thing, very thing we're asking for would probably freak us out because all of a sudden we're super Christian. You know? <laughs> I have all knowledge. We, we can't handle it. This can't handle it. Okay, We can't comprehend all of what God knows. So he's going to tell us a lot of things. He's going to tell us most things, but he's not going to tell us all things at any given time. It says he will tell you things to come, and everything he does tell you is the truth. We can trust in the truth that he will tell us what he wants us to know. We need not be concerned about what he doesn't tell us. We have inquiring minds, don't we? I have a daughter who's very inquiring. And she finds it necessary to figure things out. She'll ask the question, why do you suppose they're doing that? I, I don't know. Does it really matter? It does to her. She wants to figure it out. She wants to know. And we can be that way in our walk with the Lord so many times when God has shared a portion of something with us, we have grasped it, and we want more, don't we? But God knows you're not ready for more because you haven't even applied that what I just gave you. When you apply that, then I'll give you a little more. It's almost like God is spoon-feeding us, isn't He? Which is probably a really good thing. Because if He wasn't, we would... Well, we'd probably choke, wouldn't we? How many, have you ever seen somebody feed steak to a baby? <laughs> no, that would just be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because they're going to choke on it. They don't have the capacity to take that in just yet. That's how it works with God as He's speaking to us as well. He's got things He wants to share with us. But He knows what capacity we have to take it in too, doesn't He? I mean, there are those things that we know that He gives us that blows our minds. Our minds are easily blown, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> we're fairly simple, you know. So our minds are easily blown by God. But He wants us to apply that which He's already shown us before He takes us to that next thing. It's just the way God works. We know that, right? If He hasn't told us yet, then we can trust in the fact that we don't need to know it yet. How many of you in here that, that, that really bothers you? <laughs> if he hasn't told us yet, then we don't need to know it yet. He reveals what he reveals to us 
on an as-needed basis. Third thing, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit will take what belongs to Jesus and declare it to us. So the question would be then, what belongs to Jesus? The next verse tells us, verse 15. First two words, all things. Nothing complicated there. Didn't even look at the Greek because I didn't think there was any need. Because all things in Greek, I think, means all things. Pretty straightforward. All things, everything. If the creator of the universe is involved in this thing, that's all things, isn't it? He has always been and always will be. So all things to God, that's, that's a lot of things. It's all things. It's everything. All things that the Father has are mine, Jesus says. So everything that the Father has, Jesus has. All things. Therefore I said that He, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is going to take of those all things and declare it to us. Because He has access to all things. Being in complete unity with the Father and the Son, the all things is everything that is God, the Holy Spirit has access to, and He's going to declare it to us. Spoon feeding, again. <laughs> He's going to give it to us as we can take it. Sometimes He'll give us a little more to stretch us, we know that. But for the most part, He's going to feed us what we know, He knows we can take in. The things that belong to Jesus are the things that belong to the Father. And I challenge all you guys to check on it yourself, but I believe that all things belong to the Father. If you want a list of those, start with Genesis 1-1 and go to the maps. You'll find the full counsel of God's Word in between all those things. So all the things that the Father has also belong to Jesus and those things that belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take from Jesus and declare it to us. And as the Spirit has shown us in all of this, all that you've, I've been saying this morning, you're going, where are you going with this, Pastor Jim? And all of this, we have the awesome privilege of sharing those things. We get to share the, these things, those things with others, right? We have that privilege. We are to share and show people the truth as it's been revealed to us. We are not to speak on our own authority, just like the Holy Spirit, but on the authority of God's Word, right? Because as the Holy Spirit speaks, we're following under those same guidelines, those same rules, if you will. We're not to speak on our own authority, but on the authority of His Word. We are to speak what we hear from Him, and we are to glorify Him. We are to declare what it is that He's given to us. The Lord shares His truth, His love with us, through the gift of the Holy Spirit which He has given us. So we leave off with that which we started with, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Just like He said to His disciples, He's got many things to say to, to us. He will say them to us through His Holy Spirit when He determines that we need to hear them. And when He does, are we listening? Amen?